Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, this is Nayland, and you're listening to Wire People Into That. You can check out more at WirePeopleIntoThat.com. You're listening to episode 18 of Why Are People Into That? I'm your host, Tina Horn. Recently, a friend told me that his favorite Why Are People Into That? episodes are the ones on subjects he didn't necessarily think that he, himself, was into. We agreed one of the sexiest things that you can hear is people talking about what they're into. If you're curious about past episodes you may or may not be into yourself, check out wirepeopleintothat.com for a complete episode guide and information about all of my terrific guests. It's no secret that I appreciate a good spanking. And I'm not alone. Today's guest, journalist Jillian Keenan, loves spanking so much that she has written several of the most intelligent articles on the subject I've read in a long time. You know, a lot of my guests are old friends and colleagues, but this episode is an example of me inviting somebody that I really admire over to my place, drinking coffee for a few minutes, and then just pressing record. So... Grab your nearest wooden hairbrush and don't forget your arnica as we explore why are people into spanking. I'm doing well. How are you, Tina? I'm really great. Um, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, so Jillian Keenan um, is a writer and journalist. She's been published in the New York Times and the New Yorker and the Washington Post and a lot of really, really, really great stuff um, about sexuality, especially on Slate.com. Um, uh, just a really long impressive list is on your your website which it's Jillian NYC right yep that's yeah. it cool um so i definitely urge people to um uh check out her writing um i first became familiar with your writing when you wrote a piece called is kink a sexual orientation on slate um and then huffpost did huffpost live did a um uh a segment uh, about it and they asked me to come on and be a correspondent and I, I said yes and then I was like okay, no, now I'm also going to read the piece mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was going to do it anyway but then that piece was really thought provoking and really well written and uh, you know there's a lot of 
There's a lot of malarkey about sex, particularly kink out there, um, and I just thought that piece was like something new under the sun. It was so good. Um, and uh, Thank you. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then, uh, then I started reading your other stuff, and I saw your Modern Love piece was about... Then the New York Times from a while back was about spanking, and then you'd written other stuff about spanking on Slate, and I was like, well, we gotta get her over here to talk about <laughs> spanking. Um, but before we do... Um, Something that I noticed when I was looking at your website um, is that you're um, obsessed with Shakespeare. Um, and I, too, actually um, am totally obsessed with Shakespeare. Um, and uh, I would love for you to start just talking about that because you're writing a book about Shakespeare and, and sex, right? And global sexuality, is that what you said? And, uh... Even better than that, it's a book about Shakespeare and spanking. Yes! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I just, when I... Um meet people in certain more conservative environments, I say that it's a book about Shakespeare and global sexuality. Nice, nice. But okay, so that's the, the website spin. Yeah, that's the website spin. That's the official spin. If I um, meet people at a, in a professional capacity, it's about uh, Shakespeare and global sexuality. But between you and me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone listening to your show, um, it's about my two obsessions, which are Shakespeare and spanking. Oh my god, we're gonna get along great. <laughs> that's funny to think of global sexuality as a um, as a code for spanking, because maybe I should start saying that to people when I'm, you know, what, like, what are you into? What's, like, your favorite king? Oh, you know, it's global sexuality. I mean, to be honest, it is, um, it's not totally inaccurate to say that it's a little bit about global sexuality. Yeah. Uh, for a while, um, years ago, I, I used to live in the Sultanate of Oman. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is a very um, conservative Islamic country. I and mean, it's cool that you, that's so fascinating that you lived there. Yeah, um, it was a, it was a fantastic experience. I love Oman. Um, but while I was there, I uh, ended up doing um, a project, um, which is going to be a pretty uh, significant part of my book, where I used Shakespeare as a vehicle to chat with Omani women about uh, their romantic and sexual lives. Wow. Because uh, the, Oman is so um, conservative yeah. and so religious that talking about sexuality is very, very taboo. So, uh, for example, uh, arranged marriage is very common in yeah. Oman. Most uh, young women um, have arranged marriages, often with a cousin. And if I just went up to a woman and said, hey, how do you feel about arranged marriage? Or, hey, how do you feel about marrying your cousin? They would, without exception, say, oh, I, I don't have an opinion about that. I don't really think about that. Yeah. Just because those conversations are so taboo. Right. But what I found uh, throughout the course of this work was if I um, came up to a woman and said, so, hey, this girl, Juliet, she has to choose between Romeo, who she loves, and Paris, who her parents chose for her. What do you think? Did she make the right decision? Then they would really open up because yeah. it's safe to talk about Shakespeare. I wasn't really asking them about arranged marriage. I was asking about Romeo and Juliet. Um, and because they felt so safe, they would open up and say, oh, gosh, Juliet's an idiot. Everything ends so badly because mm. she should have listened to her parents and married mm. Paris. It's like my cousin. And then they would tell me personal stories because they felt... Um, um, comforted by the fact that we were just talking about something as safe as Shakespeare. Yeah. So that's going to be a big, a big portion of my book too. Um, it's like, are you on Team Leo or Team Paul Rudd? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love that. That's beautiful to think about the way that stories can be a universal language 
especially stories that are so fundamental or elemental as um, as Shakespeare stories. He's been translated into more languages than any other book except the Bible. So I really think that Shakespeare has become a language, like you said. Another book of stories open to interpretation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite play? Gosh, it um, kind of ebbs and flows with the seasons. Uh, I could tell you a current favorite today, and I might have a different favorite next week. Yeah. But I'll say that pretty consistently, um, Othello is yeah. a tragedy that I love. And uh, As You Like It is consistently one of my favorite comedies. Yeah. Um, but they all have special places in my heart for yeah. different reasons. Absolutely. Um, Do you have a favorite, Tina? You know, I, uh, yeah, it's true. You kind of have to pick a favorite comedy and a favorite tragedy. Um, you know, I really love Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, I was that's also, a good one. I was in it in high school. Um, mm. And uh, um, so I think that that's part of it. Um, but uh, I love Beatrice and Benedict. They're such great. Uh, that's such a great love story. Um, and tragedies. Um, you know, the first one that comes into my mind is Titus Andronicus, but mm. I think that that's just... It may be because of the Julie Taymor movie, and also recently there was a production at the Globe in London where people were, like, puking and fainting. Yeah. There's something about <laughs> that. But I love that that play... I love that people think about Shakespeare as this something you can talk about in polite company, something that pretty much everybody needs to acknowledge is really great, uh, you know, some of the greatest literature ever, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, or it's sort of high-minded and difficult to understand, and, uh, you know, but then you've got, just got this gruesome, macabre story of... And it's super dirty, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, um... Sometimes when I tell people I'm writing a book about Shakespeare and spanking or Shakespeare and global sexuality, depending on the company, uh, I get kind of funny reactions and people say, how does that fit together? And I want to say, what are you talking about? The man buried cunt jokes in his oh, plays. Yeah. Literally, he hid the word cunt inside them. And <laughs> I think um, one academic counted the number of different words that Shakespeare uses throughout the canon for vagina. Mm. And it's a shockingly high number. I forget yeah. what it was, but it was something like 78. Like the man found 78 different words for vagina. <laughs> well, I mean, it really is filled with puns and double entendres. And sometimes because they're not in the context of uh, the common colloquial way that we speak now. Sometimes it's harder to tell, but the second that you really start reading it or studying it or that you're in a play and you realize in the sometimes the the meaning of the double entendre is in the is in the context as well and all of a sudden you're like this is very body yeah a lot of the dirty sexuality of shakespeare gets lost today but certainly in his own life his audience would have picked up on it yeah um, so i like to think of shakespeare as a kind of really good really dirty soap opera that yes. is fun and juicy and as you said gruesome sometimes yeah that makes total sense is that can you give me an example of a play that uh has spanking explicitly in the text? None of the plays have spanking explicitly in the text. Um, well, at least in a sexual context. Right, there right, are right. a few that have um, allusions to uh, physical violence against children or, or wives. Sure. Um, but not in an erotic I'm thinking, context. I'm thinking of Taming of the Shrew, but maybe that's 
that's just because of like, Kiss Me Kate. Yeah, and... in Kiss Me Kate, um, which is based on Taming of the Shrew, there is uh, a spanking. Right. But I think it's really important to note that in Taming of the Shrew, there is emphatically no physical violence. Interesting. Um, but to, you know, a lot of people talk about Taming of the Shrew as an example of an abusive relationship. They think that Petruchio um, abuses Kate, or that the play is somehow um, an assault on women. Yeah. Um, I see it totally differently. I have a whole chapter about uh, Taming of the Shrew. Each of the chapters in my book will be a different play. Oh, cool. Um, but I think it's really important to emphasize that there is no physical violence yeah, um, yeah. between them in Taming of the Shrew. But um, I do think that there is a kinky character in the canon, um, not in Taming of the Shrew, in another play. Uh, but I guess people will have to read my book oh, to find shit. out which one. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to read it. Um, that's... Um... Oh, God, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking of um, so many. You're different thinking through the characters and I, wondering who it might be. I mean, I have some theories, but I also um, don't wanna don't wanna blow it because I think that that's brilliant. I think that people should just go get your book. And uh, it's uh, Harper Collins is putting it out. Yeah, it'll be released in 2016. And um, oh, it's so long. I know. Well, I have to write. write it first. I've only written about a third so far, but um, it's. It's essentially going to be a biblio memoir cool. where I look at how uh, my sexual identity influenced my uh, understanding of Shakespeare and how my uh, very long, very intense background with Shakespeare influenced um, my understanding of my sexuality. Wow, that is very crush worthy. I have to say, be, well, hopefully it'll turn out well. Yeah, that. Oh, I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, so okay, um, I. So that brings us to the reason that I brought you here today, which is, um, you know, I was on a podcast called The Massacast recently, and um, <laughs> and uh, it's great. You should totally listen to it, I should. Um, and uh, or perhaps be a guest on it. Um, and uh, uh, the host was asking me. Uh, Somehow the subject of, you know, my personal favorite uh, fetishes came up because, you know, I try to talk about things in general terms. I'll give an example, but, I you know, I can be um, protective of my privacy and uh, and also not wanting to make it be um, so much about um, my desires. But the one thing that I can never resist talking about um, is spanking. And, uh, and he said, oh, well, who are you going to have on the show to do Why Are People Into Spanking? And I was like, you know, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find somebody who, who's writing or or education or speaking on the subject, just really um, says something new that I haven't heard before. Um, and then I started reading your pieces, and I was like, she's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little uh, unfortunate the extent to which spanking fetishists are afraid to uh, talk openly about this kink. Mm. Um, there are a lot of people who share um, this obsession of mine. Uh, or this sexual identity, orientation, whatever you want to call it. But um, I think in some ways having a kink as specified as spanking is uh, in some ways even more stigmatized than um, having a, a general interest in BDSM. Mm. I know that for a long time, before I started writing and speaking publicly about having a spanking fetish, um, it was a lot more comfortable for me to just tell people I was kind of into BDSM. It's how mm. I... Um, first broached the subject with my now husband uh, way back eight years ago when we first met. I told um, his roommate, we were in college at the time, yeah. so I went to a party and kind of pretended to be tipsy and mentioned <laughs> to his roommate that I was, uh, quote, 
kind of into BDSM uh, with the assumption that it would get back to David. Right. And it it did, but that's not really the whole truth um, because I'm not really into BDSM generally. I'm into spanking very specifically and very intensely. And in, in some ways that was even harder to admit. Yeah, yeah. It can feel more comfortable to to make that general statement than to than to make yourself vulnerable and and say no, this is who I truly am. Yeah. No, I um and there's I guess some pop cultural uh images of BDSM that yeah. make it a little more uh comfortable. We see pictures in magazines and in TV shows of these uh beautiful leather wearing uh goddesses right. um or gods. And uh, that makes the whole thing seem a little more familiar or comfortable than or fashionable or fashionable, <laughs> yeah. yeah, trendy maybe than saying um, I'm a spanking fetishist, yeah, which immediately um, raises a lot of disturbing implications and questions and associations, uh, and I think for a lot of people it's um, easier to just avoid that. So I'm not surprised that. Uh, it took you a while to find a spanking fetishist who's willing to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. In a, in a way, there's sort of this paradox with spanking. On one hand, I think in a lot of kink communities, it's seen as a little bit of a gateway drug um, or a very... Um, in in some of the spanking classes that I teach, I, I will even talk about how it can be, um, if you're new to BDSM or you want to explore kink, you want to explore power dynamics with your partner, you want to explore sadomasochism and, and erotic pain play, you that spanking is a great way to start because it's simple, it doesn't require fancy expensive equipment, um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's versatile and malleable, um, uh, almost everyone has an ass, um, <laughs> almost everyone, uh, you know, has a, a, hand. A, a hand or some way to wield uh, something that can um, uh, produce impact and, um, uh, and that, that that can be a great way to explore um, so many different dimensions of BDSM. Um, and that it can be very romantic and, sex- and and sensual or sexual. It can be foreplay for sex, but then it can also be some of the most severe and intense um, uh, domination, submission, and sadomasochism that you can experience. So, uh, so in a way, it's sort of this... Uh, um, uh, versatile, um, almost like intro uh, thing. Uh, and then on the other hand, as you were saying, there are a lot of very loaded um, associations with spanking. Can you speak a little bit more to what you were referring to when you are saying that you think that some people are disturbed by it in some ways? Well, I think it uh, automatically um, raises sort of inevitable questions and um, associations with spousal abuse or domestic violence. Correct. Um, certainly it raises questions and associations about child abuse or childhood violence. Mm. Um, and uh, like we were just talking about trauma and... Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think, uh, I absolutely agree with you. Um, in a lot of ways, spanking is kind of a gateway drug that can lead into the uh, wide, wonderful world. Down of the rabbit hole, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, down the rabbit hole um, into the world of general sadomasochism. But at the same time, um, being so specific about something is um, a little alarming and confusing, even for me. Um, Who the heck thinks about spanking every day? Who the Mm -hmm. heck wants to read stories about spanking every day? 
Uh, well, I do. Yeah, but me, me too, honey. <laughs> why the hell am I into that? <laughs> yeah, why the hell are you into that? It's a good question. Yeah. Do you do you want to speak to that a little bit about some of the, the thoughts that you have had since that time about... Why the hell am I into this? Exactly. I think... Ask me again in a week, and I may have a different opinion. Yeah. But right now, after thinking about this for years and years and uh, speaking about it since I've started writing openly about my spanking fetish. Um, this is what I believe right now. Yeah. I believe I was born kinky. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that some people are. Uh, as, I, as I've said, I think that um, kink is, in my case, a kind of orientation uh, that I was born with. And I think that uh, people around the world then specify those orientations with cultural cues. Mm. In the United States, uh, children are exposed either in person or just through cultural dialogue to the idea of spanking. And if you're born with an inclination towards uh, domination and submission or a BDSM-like dynamic, Mm. uh, I think it makes sense that a lot of Americans from an early age pick up on spanking as um, a way to express their innate orientation that Mm. draws them towards uh, BDSM type dynamics. Like, uh, not to interrupt you, but uh, you're starting to fantasize maybe about something that put in more abstract terms would be about um, power exchange or punishment and discipline and the associations or the concrete manifestations of those things that you that you start to uh, reach for are, you know, like school teachers at, you know, more powerful position of a school teacher or a parent or a governess or a babysitter or somebody, dom- you know, domestically. Um, exactly. You, you know, doing something punitive to someone, to someone who they have power over, usually someone younger than them. Exactly. I, so I don't think I was born with a spanking fetish. That would be um, way too specific, I That's think, to be an orientation I was born with. But I think I was born with a submissive orientation, let's mm. say. And then from a very early age, uh, spanking was something that was presented to me by our culture as a way to express my um, submissive orientation, mm. which I think explains why there are so many spanking fetishists in the United States um, and in the United States, that's often specified with paddling. Yeah. Uh, whereas in England and the UK, there's a lot of caning. Caning. It's all about caning. Oh, man. And um, in other parts of the world, I think I see people um, specifying their innate dominant or submissive orientations by what their culture presents them with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I know for certain that I was um, kinky by the time I was five years old. Uh, I certainly wasn't aware of any erotic element to this. Yeah. Um, I knew that I did things throughout my childhood of which I was deeply, deeply ashamed. Um, as I wrote in the New York Times piece, I used to look up the word spanking in the dictionary, and I get hundreds of emails from people who say that they did the same thing. Um, I loved reading books like Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer um, and Roald Dahl's Boy, and (laughs) other books that include uh, spanking scenes. A lot of people have written to me about um, looking through comics, like comic strips, for sort of surprise spankings. I think we call them startles. Moments when you're startled (laughs) by a spanking reference in pop culture. Um, I did all of that. Even, um, I've never written about this before, um, except in my book, but um, when I was as young as five years old, um... And this is like a super weird and embarrassing even thing to admit. Yes, yes. Lay it on me. <laughs> um, 
and I think this uh, again explains why it's so uncomfortable for so many people to, to talk about having this uh, kink or this fetish mm-hmm. um, because uh, even for for me who um, is so open about it and, and writes so publicly about it um, I get a little uncomfortable and, and weirded out by my own life and my own experience as I, as I think about these stories and share these stories um, but when I was five years old uh, my friends and I used to play house mm-hmm. what little kid like you do. doesn't uh, and I remember there was a boy in my neighborhood. We'll call him Tommy. Mm-hmm. And every time we played house, uh, Tommy insisted on being the mom. And he wanted to put on lipstick and, uh, you know, slip his tiny feet into high heels that were um, way, way, way too big uh-huh. uh, for him. And I can't make assumptions about Tommy. Um, sure. But I, you know, we've since, long since lost touch. Um but, you know, I, I do wonder if he was um, starting to become aware of a transgender identity yeah. that he expressed through playing house. Or really any kind of queer identity where you're curious about the gender lines being blurred and somebody saying, oh, well, because you're a boy, you're not allowed to express yourself in this fabulous way. So Exactly. Yeah. And, of course, by being the mom, Tommy got to... Um, pretend to be married to the guy who was the dad when we played house. Right. So um, it's interesting to to think back at how early uh, kids begin to sort of grapple with their gender identities or sexual identities, but it was no different for me playing house. I remember um, there was a, another girl in the neighborhood, we'll call her Cassie, <laughs> and um, once uh, we were playing house and Cassie grabbed a belt and told us that she was playing the mom that day. It was not uh, Tommy's turn. It was Cassie's turn to be the mom. Interesting. And it's Cassie, a very high demand role. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I never wanted to be the mom. Um, I wanted Cassie to be the mom because uh, one day Cassie grabbed a belt and told us that we were behaving very badly and mm. she was going to punish us. Mm. And it was truly one of the um, most memorable and exciting uh, experiences of my early childhood. And from that point on... Every time we played house, I made sure to, when we were collecting, you know, pots and pans and plastic plants to set up our playhouse, I always grabbed a belt. And well, I always... No house is complete without one. No, I mean, you know, you gotta have it. <laughs> and you were like, excuse me, just so you know, I've been very bad today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always tried to um, push the dynamic of, of house in that direction. And it, it happened a few times that we, that we played this way. And again, I've, I've lost touch with all of these people. I don't know if Cassie was grappling with a dominant um, identity yeah. or I don't know. And this harkens back to the um, frightening and disturbing implications that I mentioned before. I don't know if Cassie was maybe um, grappling with some trauma that she experienced at right, home. Right, um, right. I can say that I was absolutely never spanked with a belt as a child. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't a, um, a, a real life association for me. Yeah. Uh, but it may have been um, for her uh which, if if so, is, you know, a tragedy. And also sometimes little boys want to be the moms and sometimes little girls want to um, pick up daddy's belt and then they grow up and they are not gay or trans or kinky or anything. They're just uh, mimicking something that they've... Uh, seen in the world around them or on TV or they're, they're like, oh, I want to be the, I want this dynamic uh, my imagination is a 
open, fertile place, and I'm just gonna make this. I have no, I have no cultural framework for understanding uh, any of these things. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it, and then it doesn't actually end up really being that significant at all. Absolutely. Maybe Cassie, before that one day, watched an episode of Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> where someone gets spanked with a belt. Did they do and... that on Little House on the Prairie? Oh, girl. <laughs> You're like, let me tell you, in episode 73, there's a particularly good one. I'm like a human encyclopedia for these references. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe Cassie just saw an episode of Little House on the Prairie, and then when we played House, she was like, I'm going That's to what enact do. what I saw um, yeah. on the show. Yeah. And um, it, it was certainly not uh, an indicator of childhood trauma or of her sexuality at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I, so if, at the time, um, I felt super ashamed um to be playing house this way i knew that there was something weird about it i knew that there was something weird and, and it felt very wrong every time i looked up the word spanking in the dictionary um, i hid all this very fiercely and certainly had no idea that it was uh, erotic in any way what is it uh, what does it say in the dictionary when you look up spanking does it ju- it's does just the definition it's like to repeatedly slap the buttocks with uh, but, open but, hand or paddle or something like that. But does like it that. does it does it specify its punitive quality? Like, does it say? I think so. I think. I mean, I, it's been a while since I've looked up spanking in the dictionary because now I've um, moved my sexuality into uh, even better places. Yeah, um, you're like I, <laughs> I know what the definition of that is. <laughs> but uh, it's only in hindsight that I can look back and say, "Yep, I was kinky when I was five Because yeah, at the yeah. time, I had no freaking clue. Yeah, of, well, of naturally, course. Naturally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So what, now that you are no longer five and you're no longer playing house (laughs) um, and you um, uh, have uh, been able to uh, find uh, partners to experiment with um, and, uh, you know, you write about it openly, um, uh, can can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you love about spanking? It's a good question. Or we could even frame it as what is there to love about spanking? Like, Mm. let's say you're talking to a friend and they say, oh, uh, I know that you're kinky. I've read your articles um, and I really want to explore BDSM um, and I'm not really sure where to start. But I was sort of thinking about spanking. So can you tell me, like, why I should do that or why I should even go there, like, on with a date or with a partner or... Definitely. That's an easier question to answer cool. than why do I um, personally love it? Um, I think that I personally love it just because I'm satisfying some kind of orientation. But what is there to love about spanking? There's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think a really fundamental one for me and for a lot of people is uh, trust. Mm. I think for dominants or tops, there's something really powerful um, about uh, having someone trust you enough to submit to you that way. Oh my god, absolutely. And uh, from my side, my side of the coin, the submissive side, um, there's something really powerful about trusting someone that much. Yeah. And loving someone so much that um, he or she, and from now on I'll use the pronoun he because I'm married to a man. Sure. um, There's something really uh, powerful about trusting and loving someone so much to uh, let him hurt me um, and and trust that he um, won't take it too far. Yeah. Um, so trust is a big part of it. Um, as I wrote in uh, the piece you talked about on HuffPo Live, 
or no, different piece. Um, I'm getting my stories mixed. Uh, as I wrote in another piece, there are um, physiological um, effects. To oh yeah, spanking. yeah. I, I I loved your description of that. Can you can yeah, you talk about that a little bit? It? it is super interesting. And um, something that you know, when I when I do have um, vanilla friends or, or non kinky friends who have asked me about spanking. Um, this is something that can apply to everyone. You don't have to have an innate kink or any kind of um, psychological fog to work through to enjoy spanking because right. there are um, physiological uh, reactions to spanking that are consistent with um, every person. Right. Um, first, uh, I learned this. My, my husband's a doctor. Convenient. And, yeah. Yeah. So one day I was... Um, thinking about spanking as I tend to do and I looked through one of his anatomy textbooks and uh, asked him about this and and um, learned that there's a blood vessel in the pelvic region called the common iliac artery uh, it it's it's when when blood rushes to someone's butt it rushes down the common iliac artery that's why butts turned red mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's why butts turned red when they're being spanked it's because blood is rushing to that region but the artery splits Half of it directs to the butt, and the other half directs to the genitals. Interesting. Yeah. So when someone is getting a spanking, um, blood isn't only rushing to their butt, it's rushing to their genitals, which is the same thing that happens during arousal. It's genital blood engorgement. And uh, I can feel that process happening when I'm being spanked. Um, Also, uh, spankings often uh, provoke a a release of oxytocin Mm -hmm. in people, which is a sexual arousal hormone. also, if you look at um, diagrams of uh, nerve tracts in the spinal level, um, you'll see that in the S2 and S3 spinal levels are the nerves that stimulate both the butt and the genitals. Mm-hmm. And some scientists have speculated that uh, those nerves can crosstalk and stimulate one when the other is, pr- is uh, provoked. I'll say that I've got... Um... I've been speculating about that, too. <laughs> I'm no doctor, but I'm no, but I'm. I don't mean to be glib. This is such interesting information. It is, and I, I think this explains why I have a few uh, dominant friends who are married to vanilla partners, mm. and um, that can be a tricky situation of because course. if you have a desire to spank your partner, uh, but your partner doesn't share that kink right um they have to tread carefully to make sure that um the non-kinky partner can can tolerate um you know whatever amount or, of pain or, or find a way to enjoy yeah, it find a way to, to balance it out yeah um but i've i've got, as i said i've got a few uh dominant kinky friends who have um let's say vanilla partners who have come to love being spanked right. even though they're not kinky just right. because they experience these physical um, arousals. I got an email the other day from a man who said that his wife has come to uh, love being spanked because she feels blood rushing to her uh, clitoris in a way that um, it otherwise doesn't. And I can say that um, without getting too crass... um, Please be be as (laughs) as crass crass as as you want. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, not often, but a few times, I have been able to uh, reach sexual climax <laughs> only from being spanked, which says to me pretty conclusively that there is something physiological happening. And this is a phenomenon I've heard of before as well. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think it was an urban legend, but then uh, it happened to me. So That's fabulous. I mean, um, God, that is all just like a treasure trove of um, 
of information and uh it really just makes me think about um the fact that you know I definitely came to spanking as as you um were describing from the perspective of the eroticism of a power dynamic and 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 punishment um and the physiological aspect of, was of of um of physical arousal that wasn't even just oh I'm aroused because I eroticize um the power exchange um but I'm aroused because blood is rushing to my pelvis right now you know I'm not necessarily thinking that as I'm being spanked but later <laughs> while contemplating it um it it really is um it's like pretty basic arithmetic right I mean if uh if blood uh being drawn to the pelvis is um the physiological definition of arousal and uh and spanking does that um then and and yeah and it absolutely I always want to sort of assure people especially when I am talking to um vanilla friends which I do have um uh and talking to them about spanking I always try to emphasize that it it doesn't have to involve a, an elaborate um ritual or pageantry um I love that shit but like it doesn't have to involve and I'm also not always in the mood for that um sometimes I just um want to be spanked and I also think that sometimes it has to do with um uh with a particular kind of of ass worship as well I mean uh, I'm and I'm a switch so I also love to spank and for me um a lot of it is um is just really being able to get my hands on an ass and being able to manipulate it. And by manipulate, I mean like, like groping and, uh, you know, kind of like shaking it around and, uh, you know, like all of that stuff is just really, really sexy to me. And the fact that someone is trusting me enough to, uh, you know, putting your ass over somebody's lap or bending over for them um, puts them in a very vulnerable position and you're also manipulating something that is very close to their genitals but mm. isn't their genitals and it yeah. always sort of feels um, related and um, uh, well, it doesn't always feel related but it often does <laughs> um, and and I also think that on the subject of spanking being arousing I think that there's something to the fact that for women in particular, and I'm going to speak generally about um, women and vaginas and clitorises, um, lots of different kinds of stimulation um, work for different women in terms of arousal and orgasm. Yeah. And some people, you know, some women really love to, you know, you like look at them askance and they get wet and some people need to be teased and some people need a variety of sensation. Um, and so the ability to arouse someone almost indirectly, um, can also be a really great tease. Mm. Um, so I think that that is another potential that maybe gets lost a little bit when we're focusing on the the kiss me Kate yeah. <laughs> part of spanking. Yeah. Do you have tips for that hypothetical person that we were talking about earlier um, who is 
curious about spanking and isn't quite sure where to start. Let's start with, with a bottom, like somebody who is interested in being spanked, but um, they're not sure how to bring it up to a date or how to bring it up to a partner. Uh, I think that there's a lot of different um, ways to broach the subject. Uh, people who are uh, brave and who are seriously interested can always consider uh, making a profile on FetLife, right. where um, people with different kinks can, can connect um, but if someone is more of the okay Cupid type of guy or gal, yeah. um, they'd rather keep things kind of simple. Um, I, I, I think that people just need to talk to each other. Um, and I don't think this is specific to spanking or kink or any kind of uh, minority sexuality. I think that people just need to talk to each other about their sexual desires and their yeah. sexual interests. There's nothing shameful about it and there's nothing um, frightening about it. I think that's where love lives it lives mm -hmm. in that kind of honesty and candor and uh disclosure mm -hmm. um so i think that um if someone is interested in spanking they should approach it the same way they would if they were interested in having sex in a field or if they were interested <laughs> in uh having sex in the shower or um you know anything just we all need to, to talk to our partners because uh, otherwise i think people are, are in for a lot of loneliness if they don't share themselves with the people they love mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, do you have advice for tops or bottoms who have fantasies about spanking but are but feel a uh, conflict or guilt um, around uh, sort of the implications of um, you know it being anti-feminist for a woman to be spanked by a man or uh, not wanting to "Quote unquote," hurt their partner, or not wanting to uh, enact a uh, uh, you know a corrupt power dynamic um, with uh, with their partner. Yeah, I um, it's it's a good question, and I've gotten some really heartbreaking emails from uh, young men who are becoming aware of dominant sexual inclinations. Yeah, who really suffer um, from the political implications of it. I remember I got one email that broke my heart yeah. from a, a guy in college. And he wrote, um, I'm getting a little choked up just thinking about it. He uh, read my, my Modern Love column mm -hmm. about um, the process of sharing my spanking fetish with my now husband. And he emailed me and um, he felt the need to say, you know, 10 times in his email, I'm not abusive. I'm not one of those, mm. you know, wife beaters. I, I really am not that kind of guy. Um, but he had been really traumatized by the fact, he wrote, that when he was in high school, his father, who uh, he wrote. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is a psychiatrist. Mm. Um, found some of his spanking porn. Right. And made his son enroll in uh, domestic violence oh. programs, and um, I mean, which is which is uh, horrible. Um, 
and he he felt really deeply disturbed by the fact that in his fantasy life he spanked a woman um so i tried to reassure him that there are hundreds of thousands of women who will relish a guy like that who dream of a guy like that and there are hundreds of thousands of submissive men who um would relish a guy like that if they're gay or a woman like that if if they um are heterosexual and i just tried to um to tell him that it's okay but it's it's hard i think in a lot of ways um dominant men have the hardest time because of those um, really disturbing implications. And my heart goes out to them. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that also that submissive women um, can deal with that sort of that same guilt and confusion in, um, in the sort of inverse way. Um, you know, if you are a uh, strong, independent feminist woman and you have fantasies of being submissive it doesn't really matter if you're being submissive to men or submissive to women or submissive to whoever um that just that having sexual fantasies about um being submissive can be really confusing um because we we don't i think um talk enough about the ways that um sexuality can um be uh such a a metaphor um and such a an allegory and that sometimes our desires are the opposite of our of our politics or our you know in real life identity um just for that reason yeah it took me a long time to detach my sexuality from my politics because i am a fierce and outspoken feminist yeah and someone who has um believed in and campaigned for gender equality since i was a teenager yeah and uh for years it was very hard for me to reconcile my erotic fantasies with um my politics and it doesn't help that there are people out there saying oh spanking fetishists or uh, female submissives have just internalized patriarchy or internalized um gender inequality that's such a condescending thing to say i mean also maybe like we live in this fucking world and like (laughs) we internalize it somewhat and then we we i mean everybody internalizes it yeah i've got news for you Everybody internalizes racism. Everybody internalizes misogyny and sexism because this is the fucking oppressive world that we live in. Um, But actually, yes, and channeling it into sexuality, in my experience, is one of the best outlets for struggling with all of that horrible oppressive bullshit that is put into you by virtue of growing up in America, growing up in the West. Absolutely. And again, that's nothing shameful. It's it's healthy, I think. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Did you, I saw that on Twitter you were um, asking people to email you um, about uh, this podcast or about this subject. Did you get any interesting questions or suggestions? I had, you know, several emails that said, because uh, I, I asked them to answer the question, spanking, why are you into that? Yeah. Um, since that is your theme. And many, many of them said, because I was born this way, they they share my feeling that it is an innate um, inclination that they've grappled with since childhood. But um, other people said that there's something about the the kind of dangerous aspect Mm. of... um, There's nothing 
uh, literally dangerous, but there's a perceived danger yeah. um, about spanking that um, they said they liked. Several people mentioned the trust aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One uh, submissive man who I email with often and am friends with on Twitter um, wrote, because it feels fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes it's as simple as that. It, it feels good. And um, uh, if you just like with, virtually anything that we talk about on the podcast um if you are aware of and in touch with your fantasies and you're able to negotiate and create um you know what connor habib and i were talking about about this sort of drawing the circle um within the circle uh you know the circle of consent and the circle of uh, sort of bringing people's desires and boundaries together um then you can play with all of those things and just say like oh well it feels good so let's do it and um leave the patriarchy on the outside of the circle (laughs) yeah i mean as long as um things are consensual yeah what the hell do the politics matter you're here so there was something really fascinating in your slate piece is kink and orientation um that uh, that you were also talking about on the Savage Love cast um, about the 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 sort of almost um, you know uh, semantic uh, you know brain uh, puzzle of well if kink is an orientation then that might mean that um, it might supersede or or come uh, you know a higher or lower on a hierarchy of gender orientation Mm. um and that it also might be something that you were inclined towards um uh beyond sexuality i was just talking to stephen elliott who's going to be in a an episode wired people into submission um who was talking about how his his orientation is is pretty much towards all of the kinky things that he likes and he could sort of take or leave the sexual element of it sexual as in you know penetration and orgasm and um so i'm curious um about you were you were saying that you had all that you realized that you weren't bisexual or queer so much as you were attracted to dominance and that the gender of the person was ultimately irrelevant to you. Yeah. As I wrote for a long time, I self-identified as bisexual because I, um, did and still do, uh, experience attraction to people of both genders. But, um, in recent years, as I started talking about kink more and writing about kink and, um, coming, becoming more in touch with my sexual, sexual orientation, I realized that it's not quite accurate to say that I'm attracted to men and women. Um, I'm attracted to dominance. Yeah. And their gender is irrelevant. Um, I've been attracted to dominant men and dominant women. Yeah. And um, so it, when I, as soon as I realized that, it started to feel inaccurate to call myself bisexual and um, felt more accurate to think of kink as my uh, orientation. And I know that there are a lot of people who feel that way. But I, I also, I try really hard to be as inclusive as possible. And so I think it's really important to emphasize that there are kinky people who don't feel that way, who don't feel sure. that it was an orientation or don't even feel that it's something they grew up with, something they were born with. It's They learn to love spanking later in life or yeah. they spice up their marriages with spanking. And if those people self-identify as kinky, then they 100% are. I don't think um, it has to be an orientation for everyone. I just think it is for me. Yeah, and obviously some people are some people are homo and some people are hetero and some people are 
at one time in their life more or less attracted to um, any particular gender um, and at more at different times in their life attracted to different kinds of sexuality as well. Um, and some people are just really focused on one thing their whole life. And then it's interesting to think about the different permutations, right? So I definitely know people who are, um, you know, uh, attracted to um, men when it, uh, they're att they're attracted to m submissive men mm -hmm. and uh, and dominant women, you know, or they're attracted to um, you know one kind of gender or one other kind of identity when it comes to a particular kink activity that they like or a particular sex act that they like, but not others. Mm. And um, I guess the truth of the matter is, is the more identities and orientations you bring into it, the more permutations that you have and the truth of the matter is that um, if if what people some people I think are oriented towards and sort of like an exploratory spirit hmm. when it comes to those things, which is not to say that that is better than somebody who's like this is what I like and this is what I'm always gonna like, um, but. Um, but yeah, and like we were saying earlier that it does seem to be a little bit of a generational thing that the um, even folks who are, you know, just becoming adults now are a little bit like, I'm pansexual. And <laughs> <laughs> I think our generation has more uh, comfort with gender fluidity or sexual fluidity or uh, the, these gray areas between the strong lines than uh, earlier generations. Yeah. But I think it's interesting also to ask the question um, of uh, whether it's even accurate to call spanking a sexual orientation mm. or whether the term orientation would be better. Um, because I know some people who in their relationships separate uh, the act of intercourse and sex. They don't mix the two. Hmm. Um, I, I do tend to mix the two. You mean um, spanking? Spanking. So yeah. what did I... Oh, you oh, said intercourse sex? and sex. Yeah, yeah. no, no, yeah. I meant spanking. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I tend to think of spanking as foreplay or, or part of the process of sex. But I know some people who do not uh, bring the two together ever. They enjoy sex and they enjoy spanking and they think of them as two... Um, completely different but equally awesome pastimes. So yeah. maybe it would be more appropriate to say orientation than sexual orientation. I don't even That's know. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I really love incorporating spanking into sex and like you were saying, you know, you if you're over somebody's lap and, you know, you feel their, uh, the arousal of the spanker, uh, you know, in their lap and, you know, uh, somebody is spanking you and they can reach between your legs or, like, put a butt plug in you or put a vibrator on you while they're spanking you or anything like that, there are... Um, so many amazing ways to incorporate the two. Um, they can kind of transition naturally. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's sort of, I mean, when you think about it, like in terms of the choreography. I mean, You're already it, in the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, spanking is my favorite thing to do with friends who I play with, you know, at, at play parties or, um, uh, or just like, you know, roughhousing, horsing around um, the, with people who I'm not necessarily interested in having sex with in the sense of uh, orgasm uh, penetration or um, or anything like that. Um, but spanking is just a really fun thing to do with friends. Um, and it, it 
in those cases it might not be arousing to me so much as um you know i might experience a, a lot of what i like about being a masochist the catharsis and release of um uh you know an endorphin rush of um of consensual erotic pain and uh sort of sometimes the um the teasing uh power dynamic of of of, of a friend spanking you and um uh, or knowing that they really like to do that and giving them that, um, and vice versa also as a top, you know, it's, it's fun to, um, it's just kind of the same as like, uh, I can remember being young, like in my early twenties and like going to the, when I first started like drinking, you know, with guy friends and like after a few beers, we'd just start beating each other up, you know, <laughs> like that was just fun to be like, no, keep punching me, keep punching me until I bruise, you know? And it, uh, for some reason that feels connected in my mind where it's like, oh, well, we're just like uh, horsing around and having fun and, and hurting each other in a way that we know isn't, is consensual and isn't damaging, you know? It's not about hurt, like I want to uh, actually destroy you or ruin you, um, although the threat of that can be sexy, um, <laughs> um, but more like I want to see what a body can do, yeah. you know? For um, for many people, including me, uh, spanking is a perplexing mix of sexual and asexual. Mm, interesting. Mm. Do you... Sometimes I feel like I could go longer without sex than without spanking. Oh, I without question. Interesting. Oh, oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... Um... And I mean, like, a week. <laughs> No, but I mean, like, when I really think about, like, if I had to, for, like, a year, give up one or the other, I mean, it's just, it's just me, but I think a lot of people would be, like, horrified. I, um, my, my husband is vanilla. So. it's interesting. Um, yeah, so. I saw that in your article, yeah. Yeah. You, that you talked about that a little bit. So, um, his enjoyment of our sex life is based on intercourse and other um, more traditional sexual activities. Mm. Um, so I, I want him to be happy and satisfied. Of so um, just speaking hypothetically, um, because in practice, I would never go without sex for a year because I would feel that I was depriving my husband of what he enjoys. Um, but in detaching him um, from this, if I had to go either a year without having sex or a year without being spanked, there is no question. That is the easiest thing to answer in the world. I would go for a year without sex. It's like um, asking me if I would rather go for a year without oxygen or go for a year without red wine. I mean, I like red wine, but I, I need my oxygen. <laughs> oh, man, that's so, a hard one for me. No, I think I... Uh, spanking is oxygen in that metaphor. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I really need it, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know that I know the feeling. Yeah. yeah. I know the feeling. I, sometimes I start to get cranky and I don't realize why. And, um, it's because I need, uh, to get spanked or to be spanked for me. I'm like, I'm, have always been a switchy, versatile person where, uh, 
pretty much everything that I like to do as a top, I like to do as a bottom and vice versa. And sometimes I crave one or the other, but a lot of the time it's just the activity itself mm. that that I really um, am, am craving and, uh, and obsessed with. Um, but that's... That's really interesting. I mean, it also seems like, and this is not a, uh, about you, I'm, I'm thinking more hypothetically, it seems like for some folks, um, there might be, spanking can be something that maybe they're monogamish with their partner, where they're monogamous in terms of sexuality, but they might, um, you know, play or have spanking dates with other folks, and that could be potentially something that is, like, worked out between people, where, again, this is not, like, I'm, I'm not saying, like, I think, I want to know if you do this, or I think you should do this, but I, I, f I feel like, um, I know folks like this, and I, and I think that, um... Yeah, I, I know lots of uh, monogamous couples who play um, with people outside that um relationship yeah um i'm monogamous i'm pretty fiercely monogamous uh, in fact that feels more central to my sexual identity than even the fact that my husband is a man does um and but when when i first wrote the modern love article uh and he and i were kind of navigating the fact that i have this really intense all-consuming sexual obsession that he doesn't share yeah um, we had some conversations about whether i should play with um dominant uh people outside the relationship in fact this is a few years ago but i remember um we had a conversation where i said you know this uh this spanking kink of mine is so strong that i would even be uh, totally happy playing with dominant women only. Yeah. Um, so I was like, would you feel comfortable if I played with some, some dominant women? I thought that maybe um, he wouldn't feel threatened if I, if I played with people um, of a, a different gender yeah. uh, than his. Um, and uh, so it's something that we talked about and considered, but um, ultimately um, I decided that I don't need um, to play with anyone else. I don't want to play with anyone else. Um, to me, um, spanking is really linked with love. Yeah. And, um, it's so intimate. It's so intimate. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, and sometimes it's really great for it to be casual and... I was just at a party this weekend where uh, some of my friends, it was their sixth year anniversary and, um, what, the dominant partner had a bunch of us spank the other partner as like a celebration of that you know so that was again that was like a fun friend thing um yeah it can totally be physical but it um, can also be just the most but for me intimate it's so expression intimate, and i just i don't think i could do it with anyone other than my husband i don't think i'd be satisfied by it um so and that was you know for, we had that conversation when my modern love article first came out that was like two and a half years ago um since then we've uh settled into a sexual dynamic that really works for both of us and i'm very satisfied um, but there's nothing wrong with people who explore their kink outside of their relationships. As long as everything's above board and consensual, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but something that, um, speaking of the intimacy of, of spanking, something that surprises a lot of people uh, because I write about sex is that I've only had two boyfriends in my life. Hmm. And I've only had sex with two people in my life. And I've only been spanked by two uh, sexual partners um, in my life. And um, 
for me, it's just a really fiercely intimate thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's really beautiful. It's a very beautiful example of a dynamic where one person has a very strong kink desire that the other person doesn't share, but because of intimacy and love and and trust and compassion and all these other things that I'm that I'm hearing from you and that I've read in your pieces, um, that it's something that you can share, and it doesn't have to be like, well, you you know, you need to develop this fetish and share it with me. It's here's something that I love and need, so let's do it together. I think it's a healthy process. As I said before, um, all partners should be talking about sex and their sexual interests. And uh, speaking with David, my husband, about my um, sexuality provoked some more candid conversations about his sexuality. After I wrote the modern love piece uh, for the first time ever in our eight-year relationship, we shared uh, each other's erotica. Awesome. Uh, he showed me an example of his um, pornography, and I I prefer written erotica, so I showed him uh, examples of some stories that I read. Um, and I, do you know Shadow Lane? Shadow Lane. Of books? course, I know Shadow Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to their party in Vegas. You know, I've never actually been to a play party. I tried to go once. Uh, there was a spanking party in downtown New York, and they invited me to come. It was again right after my Modern mm. Love article came out. And I thought, okay, I'm a public spanking fetishist now, so I should go. <laughs> this is the next step. I need to go to a spanking party and um, em embrace my new role um, as this public spankophile. So I went down to um, the building where the party was, and I stood outside for 20 minutes. Wow. And couldn't bring myself to go in. That's interesting. So that was my one attempt at um, publicly... Uh, or I guess I, I am public about my kink, but yeah. it was um, it was my first attempt to uh, be public off the page, and it, it failed. So well, what um, what do you think was? Is there something? Do you, do you now having had that experience? Do you think? Oh, it might. If I found the right environment, it might be really fun to be at a party where people were spanking one another. Well, I know I wouldn't play at a party like that because, as I said, um, I only play with my husband. But what about going with your but husband? But just going to socialize. Oh, I also, oh, I wouldn't want my husband to spank me in public. I don't think. That's interesting. I think I'd be too self-conscious. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I actually am, I've found that I am more of an exhibitionist about spanking and being spanked than I am about sex. Mm, interesting. And um, that took me a really long time to admit mm. that I actually really don't get off on or feel very comfortable having sex in public. Um, but when it comes to spanking, I'm like, it, it's, the, I don't know, there's something about the, the theatrics and the sport of it, and maybe just a lot of confidence in mm. my um, uh, ability to, to take it, to dish it out <laughs> and take it, um, yeah. that, um, that is super fun and exciting to me. I think uh, any exhibitionistic streak I have is only expressed through my work and my writing. Mm, I um, kind of expose myself uh, in my articles, but I don't think I could expose myself um, in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a little, um, bit, um, hypocritical. I realized to yeah, write yeah. about this, but then be too scared to walk into a simple party with like-minded people. I mean, I, I don't think it's hypocritical. I think that 
comfort and boundaries are the same as desire and you don't actually need a reason for a boundary or you don't owe anybody an explanation for a boundary and it just like paradoxically you can be a strong feminist and enjoy being submissive and being punished you can be someone who speaks very openly intellectually politically um, in your career about something and then not feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if, uh, if you're, if we're good on time, I would love to ask you if you have any opinions about, um, spanking role plays. Like, do you have any perspective on, on them or ha like how they can, again, going back to sort of the advice dynamic, like, do you have any advice for a, a good place to start for somebody who wants to do a role play that in, or that wants to, to do a spanking scene that involves um, a role play or some kind of dynamic of discipline or punishment? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, again, I think uh, I feel like a one song jukebox here, but <laughs> you got to talk to your partner and yeah. be really uh, honest about it. And it's so damn hard to do. Um, but if you're with the right partner or partners, um, They'll be non-judgmental and they'll listen. And um, everyone has their own sexual fantasies and sexual desires. And if you are brave enough to take the step and share your sexual fantasies, then hopefully your partner or partners will share their sexual fantasies with you. Yeah, it reminds me of what you were saying about the fact that you realize that fundamentally you're submissive. And I haven't heard you identify as a masochist necessarily, but it sounds like the the pain is an element of um of that for you tina it is um confusing yeah because uh when we were talking before about the guy who emailed me and said because it feels fucking good that's yeah. why i like spanking um we we laughed and and the conversation moved on but i was sitting there and i was i was thinking you know do i think it feels good um I think it feels necessary. I think I'm a little addicted to spanking. That's really interesting. But it hurts. <laughs> oh it yeah, really I feel like hurts. you you said that in one of your in one of your pieces yeah, as well. It, yeah. it hurts a lot sometimes. Yeah. So for me, I I tend to think of um, spanking kind of like running. I'm not a runner, mm. but um, whenever I whenever I do run, it kind of hurts to run. And of course. I wouldn't, there are plenty of people who enjoy running and I envy them, but I, I don't really enjoy running. Um, but I always feel glad that I did afterwards. Um, I feel satisfied and I'm told some people get kind of addicted to exercise that there's yeah. an endorphin rush that comes when they, um, exercise. There's an endorphin rush that I experience when I get spanked. So, um, yeah, I, I um, if I could, it's hard to imagine. I'm wondering if I could be spanked without pain, would I want to be? I don't really know the answer to that question because it's hard to, it's it's hard to detach the two things. Well, but I, I wouldn't yeah, call myself a, a masochist. I don't enjoy pain. Interesting. Um, but pain is kind of a necessary part of it. So maybe I'm addicted to pain. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an '80s hair metal band song, actually. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I definitely relate to what you're saying about the endurance being part of the eroticism, and I think that comparing it to exercise is very apt, um, you know, when people are like, I don't understand how anybody could, like, 
actively decide to do something painful. Yeah. I always remind them, do you, do you go to the gym? Yeah, you know? people say, they go to the gym and they say, oh, my muscles hurt so much. I right. feel the burn. Exactly. Or, I'm tearing through my muscles. My, you know, my abs are aching. And it's uh, like a source of pride. Exactly. Um, physical, you know, I think it, it just harkens back to the fact that sexuality is so stigmatized um, across the board, all kinds of sexuality. Um, physical pain and discomfort in the pursuit of exercise is applauded. Yes. But physical pain is. in the pursuit of orgasm or psychological satisfaction is totally stigmatized. Is stigmatized and demonized. And I think. Um, and and, and, that makes no and pathologized as well. It's absolutely pathologized. And it makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. Thank you. So next time um, <laughs> someone asks me if I exercise, instead of saying no and then reminding myself that I will join a gym someday, um, <laughs> and next time I will proudly say yes. I do exercise. I get regular spankings. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, no, that's... Thank you for sharing that. That is that is very interesting. Um, by the way, I did want to ask you, you were saying that um, you can't imagine a spanking without pain, but, um, you know, some... I mean, there's, like, there's like the, the classic, you know, pulling over the lap, like, amping up, you know, rapid fire sort of, um, you know, domestic discipline, um, punishment. Um, and then there's sensual spankings. And, you know, I definitely find that in particular, like if I'm warmed up very slowly and the more aroused I am, which we've, we've discussed how that might occur. Um, yeah, of course there's lots of different ways to do that. Um, but, uh, if I am, um, if I'm really into it and I'm really relaxed and I'm really comfortable, um, then that level of intensity, um, it, uh, you know, the maybe like the seven on the pain scale, if you just haul off and do that right away, it feels really painful. Now, sometimes that high intense pain is its own erotic experience, but also being slowly amped up so that the seven doesn't even it doesn't feel like it feel you feel the pain but it you experience it differently yeah, i know you exactly know? what you're talking about when i have a warm-up spanking before more intense play i can absolutely take much much more than i otherwise could um what's happening physiological is that physiologically is that pain releases endorphins and so if you um sort of ramp up the level of pain very gradually, yeah. then the uh, level of endorphins also ramp up correspondingly. And then you reach a point where you're um, having such an endorphin rush that you um, don't feel the pain as acutely as you otherwise would. And I also experience psychologically, um, uh, you know, what is called subspace um, uh, by some, uh, the and what you were also referring to, I think, is very connected with um, trust and intimacy, that the more I'm amped up in that way, the more I start to surrender psychologically, and then I start to surrender physically. Yeah, um, when you're in the right frame of mind, it's exactly. a lot easier to take a higher degree of pain than... And it's not even that it's easy, it's that it feels... It's it's more rewarding, like we were talking about with exercise, right? That that <laughs> taking that pain is not like oh, I'm 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 putting up with this. It's um, I I want it because I want to submit to this person, or because I want to show how tough I am, or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I also experienced. I wonder if from your physiological research, if you have insight into this, 
I found that when I was um, uh, a professional submissive, when I was a professional submissive, um, you know, I had a lot of spanking clients, um, and um, some of my best, in fact, all of my best, best clients over the years were spanking tops, I think partially because, you know, we had a rapport and something very deep and genuine in common. Um, uh, but, uh, I had some spanking top clients who either because they were just lousy at spanking or because they were new to it, but they didn't want to admit it because they wanted to be the toppiest top from Toppertown or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, who would just, or because they're just fucking assholes, um, would start spanking me at, like, a really high intensity right away mm -hmm. without necessarily negotiating that. Because if you negotiate that, we can talk about it. But, um, and then I would bruise very quickly mm -hmm. um, from sort of, you know, my physical sensation would be I'm tensing up, I'm watching the clock, I'm thinking about the money instead of getting into the play. Yeah. Um, and then when I would have clients who would uh, be real gentlemen in negotiation and, um, you know, uh, like give me a warm up or have a really great, uh, immersive role play or anything like that. They could get me to the point where they would be spanking me at that, at that same intensity and I wouldn't bruise. Yeah. And I always felt that that was very strange. Like I could feel physically that I would be bruising because my body was so tense. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt, always felt like it was kind of an interesting, like mind over matter thing where I could be taking into much more prolonged, intense physical endurance by people who had established trust or eroticism or, uh, you know, professional respect, um, and that it wouldn't um, leave marks. Of course, marks are okay if they're negotiated and can be fun and a source of pride. I don't know if you feel that way, but... Oh, bruises are so sexy. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page about that. When I get a spanking and don't bruise... I'm kind of disappointed and pissy about it. Interesting. <laughs> Have you experienced that? Well, it sounds like you, you, I mean, my perspective, of course, coming from like playing with a lot of strangers in a professional context is different from your experience of, of monogamous um, intimacy. But have you had the experience of sort of different kinds of spankings giving bruises in different ways? Well, certainly different implements yeah. leave different kinds of uh, bruises. Um, but, you know, I haven't had the experience of uh, being spanked by someone I didn't trust. Yeah. So I haven't had... Um, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am lucky. Um, I haven't had the experience that, y that you described of tensing up and waiting yeah. for it to end and, and resisting. Um, but and I just want to say that, that may, those experiences may have been unpleasant, but I feel like they also taught me a lot. You know what I mean? I'm sure. Yeah. They, they make perfect sense to me because, after all, the brain is the most important sex organ. That's right. So if your brain isn't um, digging it, then I am not surprised that the rest of your body wasn't digging it either. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, bruises are great, huh? And even the, when you were talking about how the blood is drawn to the area and the, you know, the pink and then the red and then the more intensity of, you know, different colored bruising, like, man, that is so fucking hot. It's hot to have it, but it's hot to watch it happen. And, yeah. Bruises are beautiful. And to me, um, I said this to my best friend once, and she's a very um, sort of proper woman. Uh -huh. uh, so when I made this comparison, she was like, no, don't make that comparison. That's terrible. Um, but I, I said that I um, feel like bruises are to me 
what hickeys are to like 16 year olds <laughs> like something they like and it reminds them that they really made out with that hot guy uh-huh. it really happened yeah um, so my best friend cringed because she was like hickeys are horrible no one should ever have a hickey don't don't compare <laughs> bruises to hickeys um so that made me laugh but i think um I love bruises the way uh, teenagers love hickeys. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. And, um, yeah, uh, consensual, intentional, um, you know, hickeys, uh, can can be really fun and great too. Maybe not on the neck, unless you're really, <laughs> unless someone has been very bad, <laughs> or if it's winter and you can wear a scarf. Exactly, or exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it can be such a great, um, uh, expression of whatever the spanking means right like all the things we've talked about like seeing your bruises can be like oh that's an expression of of love because it's uh, it's about what we did in the context of that circle right it's not like he hit me and it felt like a kiss it's like we negotiated and consented to that intensity meaning something else um and to be honest there's a perverse kind of pride sure that i take in it oh yeah like oh look at how much i was able to take exactly <laughs> exactly um it also feels if you really have like deep bruises and it kind of gives your ass that almost like stiff kind of feeling and then when you're like sitting on a on the train the next day and you or can that really deep prickling itch when they start to heal uh-huh uh-huh so i know what you're talking about yeah that that shit's fun it's fun to give that to someone. I find, <laughs> I find, I always like to suggest when people are in long distance relationships and they both like spanking or other kinds of impact or corporal play, um, that giving someone those kinds of deep bruises is a way of feeling close to them when you're far away. Yeah, the relationship or the physical proximity of a relationship might not last, but the bruises will. So yeah. if someone has to get on an airplane and go to a faraway city for work or something. Exactly. He can leave some bruises behind with him. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that lovely note, thank you for so much for coming over and talking about my favorite subject. I feel like we covered so much ground. Yeah, it's my favorite subject, too. Yes. So thanks for having me. Well, I'm sure this will be the first of many talks <laughs> about spanking. Um, and so uh, it's uh, Jillian with a J, uh, NYC is your what? Yeah, yeah. And then Jillian Keenan, um, uh, at Jillian Keenan on, uh, on Twitter as well. And yep. Um, we'll watch for your book. And do you have any, any other articles that are coming out soon that are in the next m- month or so that we should watch out for? When I'm not writing about spanking uh, 20 hours a day, um, I'm a, a serious foreign correspondent. Um, and I've reported from Somalia and Kazakhstan and the Philippines. And I just returned from a reporting trip to Burundi, Madag- Madagascar and Niger. So I have a piece uh, coming out about Burundi and Foreign Policy magazine in the next few months. Great. Um, I am about to write a piece on uh, Niger, and after that, I guess I'll write about Madagascar. So <laughs> if um, if people have had enough spanking talk, they can always um, check out my foreign policy work. Amazing. Well, we'll I'm sure everybody will be checking that out. And thanks for coming over, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. I went poking around smittenkittenonline.com to find spanking-related stuff, and wouldn't you know it, I found paddles, movies, books, and more on this juicy subject. Check out smittenkittenonline.com, enter the word spank into their little search engine, and see what happens.
Also, visit wiredpeopleintothat.com and sign up for our newsletter to get all the best selfies delivered directly to your inbox. You can follow at Into That Podcast and at Tina Horns Ass on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes, and we are now up on Stitcher 2. Thanks for tuning in to episode 18. Next time, my guest is an old friend, Mickey Maud, deconstructing the complex issue of sexually alluring fear. You can't eliminate fear from your life. It's mm-hmm. never going to be something that you're able to, to do. Mm-hmm. But you can condition yourself to handle that fear in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, in ways that are helpful, ways that push your boundaries, ways that teach you more about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of like take that in, or you could project that. And you could put that onto other people in ways that they don't consent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that often happens in our, in our culture. And we see it in porn to an nth degree. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to figure out if I deserve to be spanked because I've been good or if I deserve to be spanked because I've been bad. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.